0: I'm Anne, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Steve Stockman. Steve is a producer, writer, and director of over 200 commercials, web series, films, music videos, and TV shows. He also is the author of How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck, Advice to Make Any Amateur Look Like a Pro. And he has a course to go with it. Oh, there's so much cool stuff here today. I mean, come on, you shoot videos. Do they suck? Yeah, you could learn a lot, couldn't you? Well you're going to today. What a cool interview. You're gonna learn so much. Thanks for listening. And, 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 and by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stevenmaletto.com slash reviews, and uh left a review. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to ten and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Miletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dot Steve Maletto. Steve Stockman is president of LA-based Custom Productions, Inc., and a producer, writer, and director of over 200 commercials, web series, films, music videos, and TV shows. He wrote, produced, and directed the award-winning MGM feature film Two Weeks with Sally Field, Glenn Howerton, Ben Chaplin, and Julianne Nicholson. He created and ran series like Brew Dogs for NBCU, The $24.24 for Food Network, Devil's Ride for Discovery, and Narnia for Comedy Central. His commercial clients include Breville, Microsoft, Satva, Disney, and more. Uh, Steve is also the author of the world's best-selling video how-to book. It's called How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck, Advice to Make Any Amateur Look Like a Pro, which is available in nine languages worldwide and taught in schools from middle school to grad level. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I appreciate it. Well, glad you're here. And uh, let's start first by this. I mean, did you stumble into video production and filming and commercials and all this stuff? Or how'd you get into it?
1: Um, When I was eight years old, I uh, remember uh, as I was calling into a radio contest show in my parents' bedroom, I remember thinking, boy, radio is cool and I'd really like to do a movie too. So uh, that was pretty much how my career started and by the end of high school, I was doing radio and then after I left radio, I started doing TV commercials and kind of Parlayed that into television shows and a film. Awesome. So, <laughs> I, I guess I was just uh, very motivated from an early age.
0: It sounds that way. It sounds like that was the thing you are gonna do. So, that, uh, cool stuff. So, you know, we're gonna get ready to have this conversation about all kinds of things that you do, and uh, and uh, your book and course coming. And and but uh, before we go there, just to kind of get back to things that you'd like to do. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you accomplished. Do you like working with The equipment, directing people, teaching it. I mean, what's your thing that really is the thing that if you could do it all the time, you'd do?
1: Well, I I am a director first and foremost. Uh, Maybe that's not true. I might be a writer first and foremost, but directing would be a very close second or tied for first. And the nice thing about directing is you don't actually have to know how the equipment works. What you do is you hire people who know how the equipment works and then you you point and go, could we make that a little brighter? And then they figure it out, you know? And so I spend my days on the set, you know, helping an actor figure out why they're doing something or helping the art department figure out, uh, you know, what that transition to virtual reality should look like or um, how to make a theater with only 50 extras look jam-packed or... What I don't do is I don't spend any time at all thinking about exposure. I have a director of photography for that, and I, they don't let me touch the equipment. So. That's, that's, so, I guess that answers that. But if I weren't a director writer, I probably would be a teacher because I love teaching and always have.
0: Gotcha. That's cool. That's uh, that's awesome. You know, I've I've spent some time uh, um, looking at your words and stuff you talk about, and uh, you know, because one of this world that we're in now, I mean, it's so easy to compared to so long, I mean, here we are, we're on my podcast, all right, so let's, we can even just start there, I mean, I, I talk about, uh, you know, a long time ago, although I didn't follow through with it, I i wanted to be a DJ, you know, I talked about, uh, I carried around a tape recorder, I recorded things, and I would do, like, uh, my version of a voiceover of the radio in the background, um, you know, it's, and, and you follow through with it, it's cool, well, today, you know, there for a while, as podcasting was becoming a thing, you know, I started listening in the beginning, but it, it, it you know, the technology was becoming easier and easier to get. And, and you know, and where I'm going with that is that uh, now um, you, it's hard not to go around a street corner and not see people filming themselves dancing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's there.
1: But, you know, here's what here's what's true about podcasting and filmmaking is just because you own the equipment, it doesn't make you that thing any more right. than owning a scalpel makes you a brain surgeon. Right. Oh yeah. So it, it's like, yeah, we can all podcast, but how many podcasts are good? 3% maybe. Right? right. And really we can all make videos, but when you look at YouTube, how many of those are any good? 3% maybe. And so I think it's the, the truth is, um, and this is kind of where I come from in all my teaching is that the equipment is, It's not even secondary, it's it's whatever is below tertiary. Quatertiary, synchertiary, I don't know. (laughs) But it's not important. You know, your cell phone, your smartphone that you have in your pocket, as do 98% of all Americans, will shoot a better movie than Alfred Hitchcock could could shoot with a crew of a 100, technically. And it'll do all the lighting for you. And it'll record the sound, although most of the time badly, But, and it looks phenomenal. And Alfred Hitchcock could have made North by Northwest with a smartphone. And so could you, if you knew how to make North by Northwest. So I guess my point is that the difference between the people on YouTube who are getting incredible numbers and have huge fan bases and um, the, the movies that are hits and the videos that go viral, that's not about equipment. It's about the people doing the work and what they're putting on the screen and how they're sharing their art and what they're interested in with their audience. And so that's very much what I like to talk about when I teach video.
0: That's so cool. That's because uh, <laughs> as a note, you are right. No matter how much you can afford. And that's always been the case, even when the equipment was way out of reach of people. Most people, even uh, some people who bought that stuff, still, you know, there's still people who make movies that uh, – People go, what the heck was that all about? <laughs> but you know, it's it, it, you gotta love it. I, you know, one of the things that I, I I think is cool about what you're talking about there is that you know, because my audience is educators of all kinds of, of all kinds. So I I have TV studio teachers, I have theater production crews, I have the theater sponsors and uh, directors and stuff like this, as well as uh, those who work with all kinds of equipment and helping kids. I mean um get into different programs uh, in the state of georgia we have a couple school systems that are connected because some of the film ed- industry that's come here and uh, in specific areas and so they get a chance to do some internships and stuff like that and so there's quite a bit of interest in, in these types of programs and and especially if you're going to become you because know, i love the commercials for some of these phones that show you uh, you know what some of these people have done and they're 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 using the phones and such but uh their things don't suck, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Well,
1: and and it takes some practice. So I would I would argue, um, since you're you're talking to an audience that's very interested in education, um, that film is a language, and that learning how that language works in today's day and age, when everybody has a cell phone and everybody is watching short videos that other people have done, and where we're getting into an age of AI and deep fakes and other things that um, can fool us if we're not careful, or you know, even film itself has been a propaganda medium since it was invented. I, I would argue that A, film is a language, and that B, we need to be teaching and helping students at all ages, whether, whether you're at your corporate retreat or your, or your college level course in journalism or your middle school class where you want the students to do a video project, you need to teach them how that language works so that they can use it to their best advantage and learn how to communicate just the way you teach them to communicate in English. And also so that they can understand and comprehend what's really going on in the bits and pieces that come to them that they're, they're flooded with all day, every day.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, one of the things that's really cool about what you're talking about is like, like, like you mentioned earlier that we, we could make North by Northwest on our phones, but you know, one of the things that uh, Alfred Hitchcock was so good about in, in telling a story through film was, you know, the idea that there's a lot of people today that think everything's got to be in color and all this sort of stuff. And I've become a fan of why black and white can help you express feelings or feel feelings a lot Mm -hmm. better sometimes. And it's, it's so cool what you're talking about because the, you you think about just the, the thoughts that are going into putting together the scene or something like that, that, uh, um, or how you might um, piece it together. And uh, one of the things I've, I've seen you talk about, which I think is cool, is uh, when we get into your, your book and s- so forth, and to just remind people, I mean, his, his book is how to, Scott, uh, Steve's book is How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck, Advice to Make Any Amateur Look Like a Pro. I mean, it's um, one of the things I love is when you talk about thinking in scenes and things like this, and, and um, <laughs> you have a video that shows people not thinking like that. Yeah. You know? shaky cameras yeah. all kinds of stuff but
1: yeah it, it's funny there's so in this uh, so i have this new streaming course that i just put up at my website and um and i was trying to think about how how to make it useful so we sort of divided it into two parts so the first half of it is kind of about how film works that is like you were saying thinking in shots or we can talk more about in a second as a basic principle but the second part of it is how to get your ideas out there in a way that entertains an audience. Because uh, one of the things about video is that if it isn't watched, it can't work, right? (laughs) So if you do video that's, that's bad, or you do video that doesn't reward the audience in some way for watching, they stop watching. And on your phone, you can get to literally a billion other things to watch with your finger in three seconds and if you if you watch people who've grown up on phones they're doing that they're scrolling through YouTube they're scrolling through Instagram they're checking out TikTok they're skipping stuff they're picking up new stuff if you can't make a piece of compelling communication that gives an audience something that they want then all your good intentions and all the things that you want to say all just go out the window because a video that nobody's watching can't communicate right so Part of this teaching a language of of video and teaching how to shoot video is about teaching you how to make video that people will sit through first, and secondly, how to make, now that you've learned how to make video that people will sit through, how do you make video that's gonna say what you want it to say and that people will love? Um, And that so that people can can go with you on an emotional journey or follow the action that you're trying to portray or look at the great places you've been on vacation, or the cute things your
0: kids are doing, it's so powerful. I, I and you got me stuck on some stuff when, when you're talking about. Uh, so I'm going to take us back to Alfred Hitchcock again. I mean, there's a, there's generations of people that uh, um, simply, I think he used a can of uh, Hershey's chocolate syrup to be blood in a in a uh, going down the drain in a in a shower scene. Um, Have mm-hmm. stopped people even today from uh, wanting to take showers with the curtain closed, um, mm-hmm. simply because of that scene. Whereas there are some movies that are made in the modern era where they think that you got to show everything, and they you actually can hear some people in the audience chuckle at uh, something that's supposed to be scary that's laughable. But no matter no matter what, it's it's still that the ability to to make you feel like you're part of it. Whereas some people when they're just showing you films, which one of the things that you show in uh, one of yours is a kid on the phone, a young person on the phone talking to someone who's probably their mom, asking if it's seen the pictures of their the video that he sent of their, the children. And she's like, Yeah, I'm watching it right now. And then she's not. She's watching a, some stupid YouTube video of a cat doing something or something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah. Well, it used to be in the olden days, you know, when you'd ask somebody about their kids, they'd pull out a wallet and <laughs> they'd show you some cute picture of their kid, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, with the family dog and they're both wearing cowboy hats or something like that. And you'd go, oh, that's adorable. And they'd put the wallet away and then you'd get down to business or going out or whatever it is you were going to do that night. Um, but now if you accidentally express interest in somebody's kids, they're going to take out their phone and and trap you with like 30 minutes of how adorable the kid is, you know, eating, you know, or reading a <laughs> picture book. And and it's horrifying And so I think that the first thing that I try to teach is that um, you have to think about your audience. You have to, uh, we are drowning in video, basically. And you have to, if you want to share your video, now this doesn't apply if you don't want to share your video. Because if you're just taking stuff on your phone and you're going to look at it and you're very happy with it, I'm not here to tell you that's wrong. But the minute you put it in a link and send it to somebody, even if it's your mother, you have an obligation to consider What she would like to see. And you have to make sure that, you know, it's bright enough so you can see the kid's face and that you have left out all the boring parts and that uh, you can hear what people are saying in the video and all these other things that are the basics of sharing video with another human being. So I I think that what makes video boring is, um, the technical mistakes. And it isn't so much that it's boring, it's that it's so grating that we just can't stick with it. You know, it's just, it's not giving us any information. It's not taking us anywhere. If we've seen the kid, you know, look at the picture book on page one and they're still doing the same thing 10 minutes later, we've, we've mentally checked out even if we didn't mean to, you know, and so becoming aware of those things that make video dull from the technical mistakes to the failure to, Consider where you want to take your audience. Just n- stopping doing that um, makes a huge difference. So the whole title, uh, "How to Shoot Video That Doesn't Suck," came up because I was I was uh, talked to a friend of mine who owned a, a bunch of radio stations. He worked for a company that owned a bunch of radio stations, and he was in charge of, of kind of bringing the radio stations up to speed on their websites. And I was and I told him about this book, and I said I want to call it "How to Shoot Like a Hollywood Director." And he said, "I don't care if they could shoot like a Hollywood director. I just wish they could shoot video that didn't suck." <laughs> and I went, "Oh, okay." So uh, you know, so I I just kind of took that. But I think that's the first most important step: is just stop shooting
0: terrible video and inflicting it on other people, please. Oh, that's so awesome because <laughs> the, I because it really is. I mean, it, and you see, I mean, I, I can't imagine the, the kids who've grown up on this stuff. I mean, they're their attention spans got to be just so minimal. Cause you see them oh, oh, and they're sliding back and forth and whatever, looking at stuff. But it's, I mean, cause some stuff is just really so bad that it, it, yeah, this, the suckage is like way up there. And, uh, yeah. But it's
1: not attention span, interestingly. You know, you, you constantly read these things about, oh, short attention span, this, short attention span, that. I think that goes back to the 60s or maybe the 50s when people started worrying about the shrinking attention span of Americans. But I don't think that's what's happening, honestly. I think what's actually happening is our patience and discrimination, our patience has gone down and our discrimination has gone up as we are flooded with more video input. So as evidence, um, look at uh, Oppenheimer, which was like two hours and 40 minutes and a giant, huge, grossing movie that people paid and sat in the theater to go see. Or, Or to go back a little further, The Avengers, the Marvel movie. You know, that was like three hours and 20 minutes, something ridiculous. And it broke all the box office records. People don't have any trouble paying attention If you give them something great to pay attention to. Right, right. And at the same time, if you give them 30 seconds of garbage, they're gone in three seconds, you know? So it isn't to say they have a short attention span is to blame the audience, whereas really the fault is in us, is that we do the same thing, right? We are the audience. And so if we want something good, we have to think about how to make something that people will actually want to watch. And I think you can teach students that.
0: Oh, that's, I think you can. That's definitely a, uh, a, a doable thing right there because that's, uh, especially because they, I mean, the, the equipment's affordable so they can use it, so you can provide it. So then you can then create the you know critique opportunities to say, what is it that you like? What keeps your attention? And, you know, it's funny because people are different too. I mean, just like you were saying with Oppenheimer, that's a long, it's a long movie. And you pretty much, unless you don't know the past, you pretty much know the outcome of that one. And uh, it depends on which message they're trying to send you once it, once it happens. Whereas, uh, um, you know, one one of the ones that was a surprise that was keeping that came out at the same time as Oppenheimer is a movie about Barbie. And uh, I, you know it's, It <laughs> it it's one of those that uh, I think that they did something right there because they got a lot of people out there going to see it. When I think there were a lot of people that just thought initially its audience was going to be just a certain type, and that was going to be it. And
1: Nope. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing skill set. And of course, these filmmakers, uh, Greta Gerwig or um, uh, Christopher Nolan, these people have developed their skills starting from uh, very early on being writers and actors and directors and making a whole bunch of things that maybe didn't work and then getting to that first movie and then practicing and getting better at their craft. So... You can get good at this, Um, but even if you're not gonna be Christopher Nolan, even like in elementary school. So I teach at uh, Summer Stars Camp for the Performing Arts, which is a nonprofit that I've been teaching at every summer for 20 years. We take uh, underprivileged kids and we put them in this nine day, overnight uh, performing arts intensive camp. Uh, And what I've been teaching is music video. So, So I've discovered basically, by accident, that if you create a curriculum, you can teach kids in about six hours, maybe five hours of instruction over the course of a week and take them from, I have no idea how the camera works to shooting really good little short videos that are interesting to watch and with sort of and and gaining an understanding of why they're interesting to watch. So one of the first things I did after I wrote the book was I put up and you can still get it on uh at steepstockman.com is a downloadable lesson guide for teachers that will take you through those 5 hours of lessons. So if you want to teach your English class how to shoot better video, that's a totally free download, you don't have to buy anything. Um and you can you can get that and you can use some of the lessons in your English class. Um but it's easy to teach and it's easy to get them from terrible to pretty watchable then from pretty watchable to brilliant is a is a longer haul and it takes more study as you might expect but but i think just going from terrible to pretty watchable is a huge step for most people and it's one that we really need to take in the educational system today
0: that's so cool i you know, you make me think about something because you know a long time ago there 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 was this evolution of this device called the the handheld recorder or whatever um, the the television camera was that uh, which version people had of the the VHS uh, camera that you could put on your shoulders and kids, lots of kids had them and in uh, the schools had them and stuff like this and and um, at the time I was a assistant principal for discipline. And uh, you know I, I was <laughs> not the popular guy, and so uh, certain yeah, movie. I'm terrified now that I know that. Still... <laughs> Thanks. There's 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 a certain uh, uh, movie that came out that uh, a couple of the students were doing their own version of uh, Scream. I don't know if you saw uh, Scream mm-hmm. when it came out, and uh, the principal ends up who in that movie was Henry Winkler, I think, and uh, who ends up saying <laughs> you know they Ghostface gets rid of him, and uh, um, so I I got to star in my own version of that, but it, it was amazing how. Because listening to what you're talking about, oh, oh boy, I watched a lot of these things that they filmed, and I had some little side roll in and stuff like this. We could have used a lot of that advice <laughs> back then when trying to help them. You know, hey, that was fun, but uh, I'm not sure anybody's going to want to see this other than your parents. So mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe not even them. I don't know. It, it, so t- talk a little bit uh, about, uh, um, you know, one of the things that comes out of this world that we're in is the, you know, a lot of teachers and um, so forth are you know, experimenting with ideas of either side gigs or, or or, or uh, you know, have this this thought of uh, some training they could do or something like that. What would help them create videos that uh, don't suck in that planet? Also, I mean, because a lot of them sometimes are just talking heads, or you know, they're you know, one of the things that drives people nuts. I mean, it does me is if the sound sucks, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, you might have great image, but yet, yeah, what 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 would he say? <laughs> right. Um, I
1: think that it's interesting because instructional videos are um, difficult, but so is instruction, right? So I think that the same things that make you a great teacher in a classroom also make you a great video instructor. So some of those things are uh, a real understanding of what your audience wants to learn and a really great way of presenting it, which if you're a good teacher, you you probably, probably already have but also a, like a sense of humor really goes a long way. Um, and so I, I think the first most important thing is what are you gonna say and what's the emotional component of what you're gonna say to people? So if you're teaching, what's gonna be magical about it for them and how do you focus on that and, and bring it to the foreground? And then if you're... Uh, the, but the other thing is one of those more basic how-to things. And that is that I, try to teach people first about video, is that you have to think in shots. So if you watch TV or uh, a movie or a video on YouTube, you will notice that none of them are continuous action with the camera running for an hour. It's just not how it works. What they are is a collection, a composition created in one to 15 second shots that change the angle, that change um, what we're looking at, that give us new visual information every time. And the reason that they do that is because uh, humans evolved seeking information with our eyes, right? So our visual cortex, 75% of the, the covering of our brain processes visual information. And we are very visual dependent and we, needed to know when we were, you know, evolving on the Savannah, you know, are we going to fight that? Can we eat it? Is it going to eat us? Can we have sex with it? And all of these things were visual cues, right? If your brain isn't getting visual information, it starts to get itchy, right? It's, it's like, imagine that you're like, you can do this to yourself if you really want to, is, is you can shade your eyes, like you're, like you've got uh, binoculars around them, know and you can just stare at something for a while and what you'll start to feel is that prickling in the back of your neck that says i wonder what's going on back there and that's how people feel when they are forced to watch a video or, or a zoom call for that matter where all they're doing is staring at one person talking in a little box without moving for half an hour um so You have to understand that visual information feed is critically important, and you have to realize that that's what shots do in a movie or television show. So shots are there to give you more information. And a shot, you can think of a shot as it's almost like a sentence in English, right? It's an action that happens. uh, It's what happens when a noun does an action, right? So um, the teacher writing on the chalkboard, noun, verb, object, right? And just like Mrs. Cooper taught you in third grade, that's a complete shot. The teacher writing on a chalkboard is a shot you might see in a movie. When the teacher is done writing on the chalkboard, or when you've seen all the information you need to see from that shot in a movie, you cut to another shot. You put a period on the sentence and you move on. And so if you're doing instructional video, or even if you're doing home video, frankly, what you have to start to recognize is when the shot is done when have you conveyed all the information that that shot can convey and what else can you look at and people who are doing instructional videos often say well all it is is me talking well this video series that i just did is me talking for 22 lessons but since i had a professional crew and i had actors and i had uh graphics people um it's me talking with a lot of graphics with a lot of action cutaways with a lot of angle changes with a lot of demonstrations uh, with a lot of music, with a lot, of, eh, not a lot, a couple special effects, right? So we were very cognizant of the fact that we can't make this a lecture series where you're staring at my head in a box for two and a half hours because people will want to chew their legs off to get away. And that's the same thing that is true of all video and especially instructional video that teachers might be doing on the side.
0: That's so right. <laughs> that's You know, it's, sometimes you, you look at something and you're like, okay um especially you mentioned the you know the, the zoom call I, I i that's that's one that uh you know and by the way not that we're sponsored by them but if they want to i'd be happy to um but the uh, you know it's uh you know any sort of uh online uh talking device like that where you're you're you're, you're going to be stuck for a few hours and uh um and yeah, you know, this side of putting like a picture of your face up that <laughs> stops you from checking out the phone or from looking at the whatever, and uh, that's a that's that's a whole new world of oh my gosh, you know that sucked. You, you know, if you're, if you're in an hour of somebody talking to you just droning on because there's no shots there.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, frequently there aren't. It's funny because um, Zoom actually. I did this article. Um, it's on the website called How to Do a Zoom Meeting That Doesn't Suck. And um, I did it during COVID, but I think it's it's still true because we're still doing lots of Zoom meetings. And But the, uh, the, the Zoom tool provides you with a fair number of things that you can now do um, if you take the trouble. So if you did say kind of a PowerPointy thing with animation and graphics and pretty things behind you, Um, You can put yourself in front of it, or you can cut away to other cameras now with Zoom so you can change the angle that people are looking at you from. Um, Or you can do group participation with Zoom pretty easily, and that always wakes people up. But it it is about information delivery. And um, the other thing that people don't understand about Zoom is it's a video medium, and so they aren't just taking you in, they're taking in how your hair is and whether you look tireder than usual. And what is that behind you anyway? And they're taking in all that stuff. And and once you start to be sensitive to lighting and art direction on a set, you realize that you really have to be on your game if you're going to present uh, with all of this information around you. You really have to pay attention to what the Zoom is communicating about you um, as you go.
0: I love that. That's, uh, just a lot of people that that's never crossed their minds because it's just, uh, I'm <laughs> getting ready to, to talk to you for about an hour and a half and, uh, you better listen. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So l- let's get a little bit more detail into, into your course, um, that you've got. What, who's, who's, who's your audience and, you know, what are you, what are you really hoping that they'll want to, to accomplish out, out of taking your course?
1: So the course is is 22 lessons. Um, They're short, I think the longest one is 10 minutes and the shortest one is about four. So they're all kind of in that range. And each one um, has an exercise that goes with it where we demo the exercise and show you what to do. And the goal is for you to learn as much as you want to about how to make great video to share with other people. Um, There's a lot of free stuff on the internet, but most of it is free equipment stuff on the internet. So it's people talking about their cameras or three-point lighting or, uh, you know, the rule of thirds or other kind of technical aspects of shooting video. And as I think I said before, I I don't want to do that. Uh, It's like, it's not my interest. And I also don't think it's what people need. I think that we need to think about what we're shooting. So this course is basically how to think about what you shoot, right? So the first part is, how do you shoot better? So we talk about thinking and shots. We'll talk about lighting and sound. Um, we'll talk about the fact that you know bad sound is like shooting yourself in the head when you're doing video. It's it terrible. Um, we'll talk about how you put a video together. But then we're going to talk about how you add story to video easily. Um, we'll talk about we have a special lesson on uh, how to do a great interview on video, special lessons on how to shoot kids. video, how to do marketing videos, all the stuff that we use video for on a day-to-day basis. We've got a little unit on it to help you kind of make your stuff not suck and then hopefully to actually make it good and give you some things to think about that you can practice with that will make your work really great and make audiences come back for it.
0: That's so cool. And uh, I'll have the link for that in the show notes. I, so tell Let's let's go into this this world just a little bit about what, what are some common mistakes? You know, like if you were if you were helping someone, what are some of those common mistakes that you just see all the time that uh, that uh, make it suck? I mean, it's. It, well,
1: yeah, the first one is is not thinking in shots is the lack of awareness that video works in shots. Right. So um, when you've communicated all the information you can communicate. It is time to stop and move on. And what you see instead is, and this is especially horrible with parents and their kids, is, you know, the parent puts the puts the iPhone on the tripod and then at the start of the fourth grade graduation ceremony, they hit start and then they run it for an hour and a half and then they turn it off. And they don't do close-ups and they don't think about what they're watching and they don't ever think about what they want to communicate to the grandparents who aren't there. And so they send out these 90 minute videos of fourth grade graduation, and they're they're not only unwatchable by anyone you send them to, but you're never going to watch them again either. Right. Maybe for a minute, 20 years from now, and you'll go, oh, that was cute. And then you'll still be bored after about a minute and a half, right? Because it's just unwatchable. So thinking in shots is, is maybe the, the biggest mistake. I think the other thing that the second biggest mistake that people make is um, not understanding that video is about people. So if you go on vacation and you shoot the Grand Canyon and the great vistas, or you go to New York and you shoot the Empire State Building or to Rome and you shoot the Sistine Chapel with your phone you're going to be getting bad versions of things that brilliant photographers have been shooting for centuries, right? And those things are not gonna change in the next 10 years. And if they do suddenly change, there will be other great videographers covering them and you can look them up on the internet. So your trip to the Grand Canyon is not about the Grand Canyon. It's about your trip to the Grand Canyon. So how did your kids like the Grand Canyon? What did they do at the Grand Canyon that they couldn't have done anywhere else? What was the adventure that you went on um, at Disneyland? It isn't about Cinderella's castle. It's about your five-year-old meeting Mickey Mouse for the first time and how scared she is of doing that and how brave she felt when she finally got the nerve to walk up and shake Mickey's hand. And that's what your video needs to be about, right? So videos are about people, and we often don't think about that. And, and it's literally that problem is not thinking about it because it's not like we all can't do it. Once I talk about it like this and you're going to go shoot a video next time and you go, oh, I need to focus more on the people. And then you will and your video will be better. So it's not really hard. It's just we don't discuss it. We don't teach this in in school or in video class um, because we're so focused on you know how the three-point lighting looks. The the third one I'll give you is just audio. It's like if you're doing video and you're farther than two feet away from someone and you need to hear what they're saying, put them on an external mic. It's like, I'm not big on rules. So I give a lot of advice and I try to keep reminding people that it's just my opinion. There's no board of film directors. That's going to come down and stamp it with approval and you have to do whatever you want to do your way. But the one rule that i'm going to give you is use an external microphone if you want to hear what people are saying please
0: makes sense i yeah i was amazed at when i watched uh, some documentary about uh, some director who how many how much modern filmmaking they go back and have the actors re-talk something through and then use that (laughs) it makes sense because you know, when you really saw that scene happening out in the, in the wild or whatever, boy, they got good sound. How'd they do that? You, know, you find yeah. out that oh, that's because they did it in the studio. Oh, nice. Okay.
1: Yeah. Anytime you see a scene where there's ocean waves, you know that you're not listening to the sound they recorded on the set. <laughs> that's, loud. that's loud, that stuff. Um, okay. Even for, for our video series, you know, we, we used a lavalier mic, um, which is, you know, strapped to my chest and then also a boom mic. And so, the reason that you use both of those is because well first if something goes wrong you want to be covered but secondly because the best sound probably is some mix of those two that you're going to do in your final mix and you've got to have those mics because a, a phone mic from as far away as the camera was from me you're not going to be able to hear anything you're going to hear the air conditioner that's that it you
0: know it's, it's when i first started doing podcasting uh, i i was looking for advice and too many people, because I have been doing this for a while. I I started in the fall of 2013, and uh, um, and it's funny because back in those days, um, I was like, well, I just want to get started, so I went and got a handheld recorder. Now the handheld recorder was cool because you could take it with you and go everywhere. The problem was it recorded everything. You got you got the the craziest sounds that you didn't even know happened, and uh, and uh, it taught me rather quickly that there's there's differences and. And then I have my whole museum of things that I got, then stopped using as I improved <laughs> my thoughts about what I should be doing. But it's it's an interesting thing. I can imagine it's the same thing in whatever type of film creating that you're making that you can make some mistakes, uh, and and not really realize that you know that sounds probably more important than what <laughs> some of the other stuff you've been buying or whatever.
1: Yeah, was well, my my uh, I I had a great editor that I worked with for years who actually wrote the book on sound for film a guy named jay rose who's who's since passed but um but he did the mix for um two weeks my movie with sally field and he um he told me when i was talking to him about this book he said just feel free to use this he said there's no you you got zoom lenses that get you a lot closer to people there's no such thing as a zoom mic and he's right You, you know the Football games, you'll hear people yelling and they've got those big parabolic things. And those are OK if all you want to hear is an occasional quarterback signal being yelled out of a huddle. But if you actually want to hear someone and understand them for five minutes, you got to be close.
0: It's so important. It's like it's, it's plenty of those uh, those films that people watch that they've shot on different things. that You just don't hear <laughs> very little. Um, this is so cool. What you're talking about? I, I I wish I'd known you way back, or at least my uncle had known you way back in the '70s and '80s when I, he used to. Uh, if you came over to his house because he had a pool, all right, that's that was that was awesome. But in order to I get know to, yeah, sure. in, in order to get to the pool, you had to watch his latest slideshow because he had the oh. little <laughs> the little clickers, yeah. latest vacation, and and he didn't add music to it or anything like that. You just had to go, and this is the, and this is, and here we are at you know
1: Oh yeah, that's dangerous. That's kind of funny. I wrote I wrote about that a little bit in a, in a uh, blog post on um, vacation video because we had the the arm brewsters who lived next door to us and they took trips and we didn't. But when they came back, we had to watch their slimes and it was just it was deadly. And the adults could drink, you know, but the kids you just had to sit there. It was it was bad.
0: We are com- um, compadres in that. I think I was are the same planet, so I understand. Yeah.
1: Well, I hope, I hope, I don't know how much feedback you get from people about um, using video in the classroom, but my, um, I had this, my kids in high school, their high school teachers sent them home with an assignment and the assignment was write a three-page paper or do a 40-minute video about a topic. And I just went, oh my God. So imagine that you're the high school teacher who assigns that and 30 kids turn in 40-minute videos. That's that's twelve hundred minutes of video. That's like I can't even do the math. What is that? Fifty hours or something like that? That's insane. Yes. and and it will be horrible, right? And so one of the things about um, you know assigning stuff in class and thinking about teaching video and the reason that we did the the the, the free booklet on uh, with the lesson plans is because you want you want kids to learn that video needs to be thought about the way English does. That is, the best things that are written in the English language are the things that you have time to edit, and you think about what you're trying to say, and you think about what order the sentences go in. And and it's all exactly the same for video. And so I would would encourage um, your audience to do a lot more with video, but to do it in sort of the conscious way. Just think about everything you teach in English and start applying that to video and you'll find that your class really they'll like it they'll enjoy the response they get from their classmates more and um and you'll live through the homework you know
0: so i i have to tell you that as a former history teacher i um and and they do a lot of this stuff today too which is think about uh Having the kids choose how they deliver some assignment, right? So they could write an essay, they could they could put together a skit, they could uh, put together some sort of uh, um, whatever. And one of the choices is always, you know, you, you could film it. Now, I never said that, you know, because you could tell what that teacher was doing. That teacher was trying to say, all right, you can write a ten-page paper, or I got to at least make the video long enough so that uh, it equates. And it's like, oh my gosh, that would be terrible because. I had to watch five minute videos and five minute videos. Sometimes when you, when you watch 30 of them, you're going, why in the world did I make this assignment happen? Cause you did just, yes. you know, slam your head against the wall. Just <laughs> okay. Okay. Never again. That type of thing. Cause Oh, you're so right.
1: Well, if you're going to give the kid, you know, a million dollars in three months, I'm sure they could come back with a really good 40 minute video, but <laughs> so if you're going to give them three days and they're doing it on their phone, I, I think maybe it should be three minutes. Maybe even
0: two minutes. Exactly. Exactly. The, the, that's that's great advice there. And um, for you know, teachers, just just think about it. You know, if you do the math, you do, you really want to make sure that because you know the kids that are creative enough that'll entertain you, and then you know the ones that are, yeah, that was next. <laughs> um, wow. Forty minutes of that for per kid, boy, that would drive you up a wall. So, um, but you know, then you could always have parent night and make them sit through all the. All the videos.
1: Uh, It depends on whether you want to come to the next parent night or not, I guess.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's very true. Uh, You know, uh, Steve, we're coming to an end and I, I just wanted to, this is awesome talking with you. Anything else you want to share about, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, about your course or about your, uh, your book or, I mean, you had this cool blog that you, you write that uh, with these awesome articles uh, off your website and so forth. But uh, I mean, there's there's nothing better than the title of your book and your course. I mean, you know, how how to shoot video that doesn't suck i mean you got the advice there anything else you want to share with them before we go
1: i I would just say that i hope uh, we have a lot of information and so what a lot of teachers do it's the book is actually taught in school um like through grad school level at different schools around the world so the only thing i'd say for teachers is there's tons of free stuff on the website so please take it and use it um and If you wanted to, the video is probably a pretty good, uh, the video series will have a lot of good stuff for you to work through with a classroom. Um, Take it and use it with your classes. Um, That one does cost money, but you certainly don't have to buy 30 copies, you know? Um, And, you know, if you like it, use it in your classrooms. And I hope that it will be useful for you. And if you have an idea for something that would be more useful, or you have questions, um, you just go to the website
0: and and drop me an email. Very cool. I'll have information in the show notes to make it easy for you to find the book and the course, and uh, and all that other information that's fr- from his website there. So good stuff. Uh, um, before we go, uh, Steve, I got a I got a couple questions I like to ask my guests, and I'd like you to answer them for me, and um, and uh, then we'll leave off from there. Uh, how do you? Here's the first question. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? um, friends, you know, um,
1: and especially in-person friends, um, super valuable. So what's fortunate for me is in the entertainment community, there's a lot of people doing the same kinds of things that I'm doing. So, you know, on Friday, when I go hiking with my friend, Tim, we're going to talk about the, the, you know, recent WGA labor action and the resolution of that. And, and uh, what's going to change in Hollywood in the next three months. And I have other friends that we'll go talk about script ideas with. And I have other friends who will just talk about how we're doing personally. And, you know, it, Zoom is fine, but you can't see anybody's legs and and uh, it's indoors and you're staring at a screen. And so I really like to go out go hiking, meet people for lunch. And I work really hard to make sure that that stuff stays on my schedule, even if My gut is that I should dig in and uh, work through. um, My more rational brain goes, no, get out of the house.
0: Awesome, love it. Uh, Last question. Uh, Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Um,
1: I have a bunch, actually, Um, some of whom were very influential in my career, even though they were influential when I was in eighth grade. I I went to Brown and there was a guy named Ed Beiser who taught Supreme Court courses at Brown and he taught them Socratic style um, where he would call on you and you had to have the answer. Um, And it was like law school, it was like case law. And that was phenomenal. Had nothing to do with my career, but he was brilliant. Um, There was a guy named Ken Sipley who taught me in middle school um, in chorus. And then he started doing shows in middle school and encouraging us to do shows. And then, um, you know, there were tons of theater productions in high school. I was part of this great community theater in Syracuse, New York called the Salt City Playhouse when I was growing up. Um, And I took courses from this guy named Tom Lazarus, who was a TV writer um, and screenwriter. And I took his courses, I actually wrote my movie, the first draft of it in one of his UCLA extension Uh, courses when I first moved to LA and uh, and he was great so I've had tons of them and I still work one of the things I love about uh, working at Summer Stars camp for the performing arts each summer is that all of the teachers are brilliant um, and they some of them are actual full-time teachers and some of them are musicians and Broadway actors and TV actors and and um, uh, you know other people who just are brilliant teachers and I Just love doing that every summer. So teaching, huge part
0: of my life. That's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Steve, this has been so cool talking with you. I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having a conversation. Thanks for sharing your book and your course. I mean, how to shoot video that doesn't suck. Advice to make any amateur look like a pro. And uh, wish you the best with your new course coming out. It sounds like like a real winner there, especially to help us survive some of these many, many videos that are being shot now. Thank you, Steve. And I really appreciate you having me. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.